Hey everybody, thanks for checking out this week's episode of My First Sketch at MyFirstSketch.com. I'm Josh Hyam. As always, feel free to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or on SoundCloud to get it automatically. You can catch the show on the Stitcher app as well. Like the podcast on Facebook at Facebook.com slash MyFirstSketch. Email me at Josh at MyFirstSketch.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at what else? My First Sketch. Philly Sketch Fest is here. We have live acts representing Edmonton, Toronto, New York City, North Carolina, Indianapolis, Washington, D.C., and a ton more from Philadelphia. The live shows begin tonight, Thursday, May 31st, and tomorrow, Friday, June 1st, we are in the playground at the Adrian for three shows both nights, 7 p.m., 8.30, 8.30, 10 p.m. On Friday, though, after the 10 p.m. show is over, stay for the late night sketch prov, where a bunch of the sketch comedians will have a try at improv. Saturday afternoon, June 2nd, we are hosting a conversation, a panel discussion, as it were, about community, diversity, and identity in the world of comedy. That's at Amalgam Comics. 2578 Frankfurt Avenue, 2 p.m. Saturday afternoon. After that, we'll head to the Ruba Club for the Saturday evening shows. Three of them, 7, 8.30, 10 p.m. And then we'll close out the weekend Sunday, Underground Arts. Final three shows, 7, 8.30, and 10. Tickets for all of the live shows are available at Ticketfly.com. But I made it easy for you. If you go to myfirstsketch.com slash tickets, it will take you right to the page with all the ticket listings there. To celebrate the 10th anniversary of Philly Sketch Fest, which traditionally apparently is the aluminum anniversary, we'll be collecting canned goods that will be donated to Phil Abundance, which is the largest hunger relief organization in the Delaware Valley. So before you come to the shows, you know, empty out your pantry, stop by a local mini mart, Bring a can or two and help spread some good back into the world. Today's guest is Neil Medlin, who performs as Champagne Jerry. He's come to Philly Sketch Fest Saturday night in the 10 p.m. block at the Ruba Club with Amalita and the Mean Wendy Band. And since he's not a traditional sketch comedian, instead coming from this intersection of performance art, music, comedy, I don't have a first sketch for him. But here's my chat with Champagne Jerry. Uh, hey, Neil. Hey. <laughs> All right. So um, this is gonna be a little different than normal because I, you know, I don't consider you a sketch comedian necessarily as much right, as I talk yeah. to most of the other people, like. I, I see performance artists. I see, you know, the rapper. Mm-hmm. So let's, uh, let's, what, what was the starting point for you? Were, like, was it like performance art? Was it music? Was it comedy? Well, where, would you, where did you start with? You know, it was more of a thing where I started doing um, what I was doing and then I could not figure out what to call it. And so <laughs> I tried out a variety of different things mm-hmm. and kind of gauged people's reactions. And I don't know that I ever really got it right. I mean, over the years, I've kind of, you know, shifted which one I kind of, um, you know, put in the foreground more mm-hmm. because 
it was really, you know, when I was a kid, I did a lot of theater and I loved doing uh, comedy and that sort of thing. And then I was really into music. And then I, you know, had read about all these sort of weird, you know, performers and all my, a lot of my favorite musicians, you know, did really crazy stage shows, you know, David Bowie and Prince and, Mm -hmm. you know, and I was just like, to me, all of that stuff was in my mind anyway, was all kind of one thing or could be one thing. And so when I started doing stuff, I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to change costumes. I'm going to jump around. It'll be funny. There'll be music involved. And then, you know, then I was trying to, then I had to figure out what to call it. And it was a real, you know, it was a struggle, but as I, they say. I, and I think <laughs> maybe if you think about it, like, because now that you mentioned that, like, I'm kind of thinking of like a, like a Venn diagram for yourself, like, right, yeah. Where depending on where you perform, you can highlight the certain circle of the Venn yes. diagram, like whether it's comedy, music, art, like, yeah, you know. for sure. And I feel like you know, being being a being a working, you know, being a working performer, I feel like in a way it's something you kind of have to do mm. you know you're like ah well you know you want a music show i got a music show for you you want a comedy show i got a comedy show for you and it's all the same show <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> you know but yeah uh so you mentioned uh comedy growing up what were you into what did you watch what made you laugh as a kid i was you know i was really into comedy albums because for one thing my family was um very religious so i was always mm-hmm. a little nervous to actually sit down and watch uh, you know, stand up comedy because I was nervous about like what people, you know, what what might happen. Sure, absolutely. Um, but I would get a hold of comedy albums and I listened to those a lot. And so, you know, I heard a lot of Steve uh, Steve Martin's stuff, which I thought was really hilarious. Also, because those comedy records, his all his stuff was visual and you couldn't tell what was happening. Yeah, but people are cracking up, and you're just like, it was really kind of weird and surreal. And I loved all of that stuff. And then I, you know, and then because I grew up in such a small little town, we didn't really even have cable. So I just watched a lot of Saturday night live when I was a kid. And I just, you know, I got, I got really kind of invested in certain ones of the uh, performers, Molly Shannon. I was really obsessed with, you know, all the stuff that she would come up with. Cause it was so strange, but funny. And she just like, she had this kind of like, you know, fearless enthusiasm that I was like, Oh my God, yeah, that's, I like that. I want to be like that. <laughs> well, if you're, if you're going to jump to it, like I ask everyone I talk to for this podcast, who their favorite SNL cast member is all time. And so who I think would be yours. It's hard because of Will Ferrell being there, you know, and he, and him spinning and singing Christmas songs on that turntable and then start to throw up <laughs> yeah. was really, that was a life changer for me. <laughs> but okay. I feel like uh, I I feel like him and Molly Shannon together were the ones that really kind of like uh, that was the ones where I got really excited and you know I'd walk around for a long time I like dog show for me was kind of like whatever that is in terms of comedy I was like that is exactly my sense of humor because everything about dog show made me laugh so I think I would say Molly Shannon but uh, yeah like I mean, <laughs> you mentioned Will and Molly together and. Like I, I forget who I was talking to. Like one of my friends here, like, uh, Will had a like a duo sketch with almost everyone on in that cast. Like right, he worked yeah. with basically everyone. And Molly, like, everything seems so cheerful and upbeat and happy, <laughs> but there's such a darkness to so many of her characters. Like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like, almost unnerving or like, um. You're not expecting it. Like Mary Catherine Gar- Gallagher is a weird character. <laughs> yeah. Dog it's very show. Strange. Like 
Yeah, well, I, the one, I don't even remember the character's name, but the one where she would scream, I'm 50. Oh. I love uh, that lady. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, what's her name? Oh, I'm, I'm going to think about it, and it's going to bug me until I remember it. But, like, yeah, yeah. like, uh, where she, I think the one I of that character I, I specifically remember is, uh, I believe she's auditioning for the Rockettes. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, and it's just so bizarre and just, like, loud and abrasive and just... <laughs> in your face and she's uh yeah she's like so crazy <laughs> yeah and i feel like that was something that i really that i that was the part that i really latched onto was this idea of this be a performer who doesn't even necessarily know how they're going over but their sort of general enthusiasm is so high that you know and they find themselves in these kind of weird scenarios like where they shouldn't be like auditioning for the Rockettes or whatever and but they're just like they're so into it that you kind of can't help but kind of root for them and like them you know absolutely um all right so like what other albums were you listening to you mentioned Steve Martin and yeah like his albums don't work like don't work as well as seeing him live because like the arrow through the head's gonna miss you're not gonna understand that uh right yeah trying to uh drink the stool like he like he pulls a straw out of his pocket and like <laughs> yeah yeah to, like, there's certain things that aren't gonna work as well but like his albums are still amazing yeah uh like i think i have like wild and crazy guy and let's get stupid like they're, they're just awesome yeah yeah they're fantastic yeah there was like a half price books in dallas that we would sometimes go to with my dad and i got a bunch of them there because they just for whatever reason had a ton of comedy albums that just i don't know if somebody collected them and then just gave them you know sold them all or what but they really had all all sorts of stuff you know yeah whenever i go to a thrift store or anything like that like i i beeline for the comedy records like i want to find something cool and now you have to like dig through the piles of like cosby records because no one wants them anymore I know, yeah, yeah. Hoping to hoping to find something cool. Four hundred like, copies of uh, of uh, Fatherhood. Yeah, like, it's just <laughs> it's such a bummer. Just like C C C C C C before you get to like, oh, maybe there's a cool Bob Newhart or something like. Oh there. yeah, I loved Bob Newhart. He was another one that I just loved when I was a kid. Even though I don't know that there's any real relation to our, um, you know, to our styles or anything like that. But mm-hmm. I just thought he was so funny, you know. He's sort of the opposite. He just sort of like does almost nothing and you yeah, just he's like so... start laughing. He's just holding a phone to his ear and you're just like, ha, ha, I don't know what's happening, but it's fantastic. <laughs> so subdued and so like, he's he's the one that like, uh, whenever I like see people do the phone call thing, uh-huh. I'm just like, guys can't do that. You can't do a monologue with a phone because <laughs> yeah. Newhart has perfected it. Like, yeah. you're not going to get better. It's not going to like just... Think of some other, and, I, and of course, I've written multiple sketches of myself. <laughs> right, yeah. So I'm on a, phone, I'm on a so. phone, and then, <laughs> like, yeah. I never take my own advice. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so, um, so, uh, so doing some his, uh, some research and looking through websites and stuff, uh, mm-hmm. there was a pop show. Was it the Pop Stars or? Oh yes, yeah, yeah. That was that was. Um seven shows actually that I did each one okay. built around a different pop star um, starting with Lionel Richie and going and then there was Lionel Richie Phil Collins Prince uh, Britney Spears Hannah Mo- I always want to say Hannah Montana Miley Cyrus 
um, Insane Clown Posse and then oh, Michael Jackson. <laughs> like, so are you like becoming these people? Well, not really. I mostly sort of played some version of myself in all those shows, but a lot mm-hmm. of the information from my character would sometimes come from like their lives. And we'd use, I'd take their songs and kind of pull them apart and put them together in different ways. And usually there'd be kind of like a plot. It kind of started with the Lionel Richie opera because I was, I had always used a lot of pops, like sort of existing pop songs in my shows. Um, but I would just be kind of like this, you know, this Rihanna song with this, you know, whatever. It'd just be like a mixture of stuff. And then um, for the Lionel Richie opera, I had this idea to do a whole show that would be from this one Lionel Richie CD that I had, like a greatest hit CD. And I would use the songs in the order they were on the CD. And I just have to come up with a plot that would fit all whatever nine songs. That's it. You're totally just making your own jukebox music musical. Yeah, like... yeah, yes, yeah. And so I did that, and then I was like, it was really fun to just focus on one performer, you know? Because um, mm-hmm. then it was kind of like, oh, well, this doesn't fit very clearly because this is a Lionel Richie show. So I just did that, and then um, then after I did that, I was like, oh, I really like this. So I did it with my friend Carmine on this show about Phil Collins, and then kind of had a little bit bigger of a cast with Prince, and we kind of really did mess with the songs more in Prince, and it was a little bit more like a musical, really. Um and then it just kind of kept going. After Prince, it got a lot weirder with the Britney Spears and the Miley Cyrus, and you know, and then Insane Clown yeah. Posse. Yeah, I, <laughs> I can't. I can't imagine what an ICP musical. It was pretty fun. I mean, it was pretty crazy because you know, uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but Juggalos are pretty. You know, they 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 are aware of what's going on in the world that is yeah. ICP related. So we definitely had Juggalos interested in the show and that came to the show. And I met some of them, you know, because we went because I was having trouble writing the show for a while because it just seemed like I was writing Juggalo jokes. And I didn't really like that. I wanted it to be a little more realistic or authentic. And so mm. we went to the gathering of the Juggalos, me and my friend Ferris. And um, and then I, which was pretty wild. I was totally terrified until I wasn't. like you like for <laughs> to research the show. You went to the gathering. Yeah, uh, that's insane to me. <laughs> it was kind of a. It was sort of a three a.m. I came home like I had been hanging out and I'd had a couple of drinks and then I got home and I was like, you know what? I'm going to buy tickets to the gathering of the Juggalos. And then I wrote my friend Ferris and he was up, I guess. And I was like, Hey, I would you go if I get us tickets? And he was like, (laughs) hell yeah. But I don't think he thought I was serious. And then the next morning, you know, I was like, here's your plane ticket. (laughs) Here's your ticket to the gathering of the Juggalos. See you in Haven Rock, Illinois. (laughs) I was going to say, cause like you're, you're in New York city. It's one thing if that's like in Woodstock. Right, right, yeah. You're going to the middle of nowhere, Illinois. Like, I'm I'm assuming you have to fly into Chicago. You had, there are drive. It's so in the middle of nowhere. Drive hours. Yeah, it's so in the middle of nowhere that you have three equal options of places (laughs) to land. You could land in Chicago, St. Louis, or Nashville, I think. And, or maybe that's not right. But anyway, there were three other major cities. None of them were, well, I guess Chicago's in the same state, but they were all like, yeah, an hour's drive you know, several hours away from this locale. How did the jugglers respond to the, they, the musical? Well, it, it was a mixed bag. 
There was one guy, the, my favorite one was that on one of the nights, there were several of them came together and they were sitting together. And then my friend happened to be sitting behind them. And the one guy was like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> <laughs> and then his friend was like, he was like, no, man, it's cool. You know, like they, they're doing the song. He's like, yeah, but it's like they've done this, like they're doing the songs and they've changed the music for the songs, you know. And the guy was like, yeah, I think that's the whole thing, you know? And the guy was like, I don't know, man, this is fucking weird. Like, they were just, like, narrating the whole time. <laughs> and then yeah, I guess I feel... the one guy was, like, decided he was over it. And then his friends left with him. But um, I, Yeah, I feel jugglers are very protective Yeah, yeah. the clowns, like, it's true. in general. But I've, you know, I don't know. And then, you know, I mean, they, they uh, Insane Clown Posse found out about the show and they theoretically were going to come, according to their manager at the time, who was like, oh, they had tickets, but they ended up having to do this thing. So they didn't come. Can you send us a uh, like a DVD of the show? And I did. Did you hear anything after that? Well, I waited a little while and I was kind of like, I got to know. I got to know what they said. And so I wrote the manager and she said, oh, yeah, we watched it in the warehouse, you know, because they have their own warehouse where mm -hmm. they do all of their stuff. And she was like, and with a bunch of the guys who work in the warehouse, and they just said, and then she was like, good job. So I was like, I'm going to just take that as Violent J and Shaggy Two Dope said, good job. <laughs> and then just, you know, just go with that. <laughs> you don't you won't have the FBI recognized gang of juggalos coming after you because they <laughs> no, slightly endorsed no. you. <laughs> no. Uh, so the, the character of uh, Champagne Jerry... Mm -hmm. how do you get into this character how does this how do you create it well i mean it was you know it, a lot of it is it, in the same way sort of as the pop star series it's like it's like parts of myself that i'm just kind of foregrounding or like making more of a thing of you know and so and at first it was really just like max to who i work with a lot who's the producer who makes most mm -hmm. of the beats he sent me this like giant Dropbox folder filled with beats because he was like, uh, oh, I make all this stuff, but I don't rap and I don't sing. And so I just have them sitting in a folder. And I was like, oh, yeah. And then I was on tour with somebody else in Minneapolis in a hotel. And I was just like, oh, I'll listen to those. And I just started writing things. And, uh, you know, a lot of it was like, I mean, I love rap and I always have. So a lot of it was like, oh, if I was going to brag about stuff, you know, what would I brag about? Or if, you know, like I'd brag that I've done Lama's class twice, you know, <laughs> um, and, you know, and that sort of thing. So I started to write it and then it kind of just came together really quickly. And the Champagne Jerry name was something, a nickname my friend Bridget Everett had given me. We were at a party and I drank this whole bottle of champagne. We got in an argument about snacks and she was like, whoa, you became Champagne Jerry last night because my first <laughs> name is Jerry. Okay. I've just never gone by it. And so that was a nickname that she would, had given me. And so that night, you know, I was like writing weird boasts that, you know, and 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 jokes and sort of stuff about being from Texas and, you know, and sort of like uh, that sort of thing. And um, and just like, you know, punchline rhymes. And then I uh, and then, you know, I kind of woke up the next morning and was like, oh, this is like a whole thing. And, and it really did that night felt like it just sort of came together where it was kind of like, oh, this is what this character is. This is what everything looks like and sounds like, you know, and this is the name, you know. And um, since then, it's just been kind of like trying to sort of 
refine that thing. And then sometimes to kind of expand it a little bit, you know, so that it's like, I can, you know, I can have a couple of sad songs or a couple of, you know, this or that kind of songs, you know. What were you into rap wise? Like you mentioned liking rap, like who were the Mm -hmm. artists that you enjoyed? Well, when I was a kid, I mean, it's been something that I've been into since I I was at a church lock-in. Do you know what a lock-in is? Absolutely. Yeah. I've been to plenty. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So I was at a church lock-in when I was a kid, and somebody's older teenage brother picked us up to take us from the church to the bowling alley. Mm-hmm. And when we got in his car, he had Brass Monkey playing in the car, that Beastie Boys song. And it was the craziest sounding thing I'd ever heard in my life. Like, I never heard, like, my mom listened to, like, Lionel Richie and stuff like that around the house. Like, I was not aware that there was music where people were shouting and there was, like, record scratching. And, you know, mm-hmm. it really blew my mind. And then I bought, so I went to the mall and bought a tape called Monsters of Rap. This is like a goofy, I think it may have even been a KTEL compilation album. Right, 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 right. And it had um, Public Enemy's uh, Rebel Without a Pause. And that with the annoying noise in the background. I mean, you know, for me, it was like, that was when I discovered like, like punk music or something. Because it was Mm -hmm. like, everything was loud and everybody was aggressive. And they were like loud, aggressive and funny and annoying you know it just sounded like it just sounded amazing to me so i was really into so therefore i was really into like beastie boys and public enemy and then from public enemy i got into you know various other like i got into x clan and um queen latifah and then you know like tribe called quest all that kind of stuff i was really into and then um yeah a lot of new york stuff was stuff that Mm -hmm. I was really, because I think also when I was a kid, I kind of wanted to leave Texas and move, you know, to the Northeast anyway. So it was kind of like, you know, I was like, oh, so this is the kind of stuff they talk about in New York. Good to know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Listen, I'm sure listening to No Sleep in Brooklyn, till Brooklyn, you're like, all right, I won't sleep till I get to Brooklyn. Like, yeah. Yeah. I was like, this sounds like a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> there was a part of me when you were mentioning going to lock-ins that like your first like uh, influences in rap would have been some kind of Christian rapper. Uh, oh yeah yeah i wasn't I was even aware there were christian rappers till much later crossing my like... fingers hoping that there was some weird like <laughs> christian rap in this story to begin with <laughs> <laughs> that'd be amazing uh how so uh, you mentioned beastie boys and uh one of the songs i particularly love of yours is yo kevin oh yeah uh, how do you get hooked up with ad rock well i met adam because we um so when i moved to new york I met Adam through his, through Kathleen Hanna, who he's married to. And because yeah. um, my wife had interviewed her for something. And then Kathleen, she and Kathleen got along. Kathleen invited us to this um, like art opening that she was doing. And then I met Adam there. And then my friend Carmine, who I did the Phil Collins show with, was uh, used to tour with La Tigra, uh, Kathleen's band, and do like video stuff for them. And... Mm-hmm. Um, and so he was like, oh, Adam and Kathleen are starting a softball team. And I had never played softball or baseball when I was a kid because I just like gave up very easily okay. as a child. That was my style. <laughs> and uh, But then I was like, oh, that'd be fun. You know, so I went and played uh, softball and then I got really into it. It was the first time I was ever bad at something and wanted to keep doing it. Um, so I played softball and we kind of became friends through softball because we played softball once a week from like 2006 to, I don't know, this past year or so. Wow. And so, and that was also kind of the genesis of the song, obviously too. It's the softball based 
rap song, of which there are too few. And, um, <laughs> and yeah, and so then that's how we became friends. And then once I started doing Champagne Jerry, Adam was like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm somewhat involved in this whole rap thing if you ever want to do something. And I was like, oh, well, yeah, <laughs> I definitely want to do something. And so I can only imagine that conversation. He's like, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I've been known to dabble. In... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was basically like that. And I was like, Oh, Whoa. Okay. Well, <laughs> and yeah, then it was really, really fun, you know, get like being, being sent, you know, an acapella of his verse, which he recorded, you know, at his house or whatever and sent to me. Um, and listening to it the first time was like, that's pretty exciting. That doesn't happen very often, you know, in your life where you get somebody who you, um, you know, is one of your heroes to like, and you get to like listen to them their verse that they wrote for your song. <laughs> that was pretty yeah, special. It has to be such a surreal moment of like receiving that file and be like, oh, this is a real thing now. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was like, oh, it really happened. <laughs> uh, yeah, and and I love that song too because I have a really uh, troubling. Oh, not troubling. Like it's not awful, but like I've met so many like douchey Kevin's like in my <laughs> yeah. life. So like it's just totally like. Yeah, yo, Kevin. Like, <laughs> yeah, and it's a funny thing because the guy in the, in the song anyway is not was not named Kevin, <laughs> right? And definitely, it's been like a few times on the subway where someone you know push you or something, and you're like, get up, get off of me, Kevin! And it's like, <laughs> I don't know why I'm calling you Kevin. I know a lot of nice Kevins, <laughs> but I'm just like, it just seems like a good name to yell at somebody whenever they're uh, you know being annoying, pushy. <laughs> uh, so. As as you perform as Champagne Jerry, how much do you like? Are you intentionally like intersecting hip hop with comedy, versus I, you know whatever other lyrical content you want to provide for it? I mean, I think that you know, um, I just i I have this when it comes to the rap part of it. You know, I feel like I'm trying to. I feel like I have and I'm trying to employ a certain amount of knowledge of like, you know, rap tropes, you know, I'm like, this is the song mm -hmm. where I talk about this and that and, and that sort of thing, you know. Um, and then in terms of comedy, it's just like, you know, the rhymes that I like to write are just funny ones, you know, sometimes I like to write something slightly more serious, but it's just, it's, it's a lot of fun to me to write that kind of thing. And, you know, Whenever I listen to, you know, even Old Dirty Bastard or Ludacris or whatever, and it's just like when they make a, a good punchline, it's just there's something so satisfying to me um, when a rapper is able to pull off a punchline while speaking rhythmically and rhyming, you know, over a beat. It's just like it really it's very satisfying to me. So I just try to, you know, I try to use all that stuff as the framework, you know, to say whatever it is that I feel like saying. And I think a lot of it, one thing that I think is really fun about writing these songs is that the, the music is done, you know, or I mean, sometimes now we actually will collaborate on the beats more, but like a lot of times I get this file that has music and then I can kind of just listen to the music and be like, oh, you know what? I wanted a song about like, you know, uh, you know, making out with people in bars and this song, this beat sounds like that. So now I'll just write mm -hmm. that, you know, and it's kind of, you know, it's a fun way to work. Yes. I mentioned that you are collaborating more on beats now, but like uh, writing to music, because it sounds like for the most part, at least how it started was mm -hmm. you got all these beats and now let's fit lyrics into them. Like, yeah. like, and 
how was that process? Because I like I I'm so naive to like writing music because as much as I enjoy music, I'm totally tone deaf and yeah had a rhyming dictionary as a kid, but you know, <laughs> that doesn't help anything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's I mean, for me, it was very easy because I had been making those pop star shows for a long time. So I'd already been listening to songs very intently and trying to imagine sort of scenarios or, you know, whatever to the to the songs, you know. Um, but in that case, of course, there's already lyrical content that you have to kind of work around with this. They were kind of more like blank canvases where it had a sound and had a vibe and had a speed but it didn't have any words. So I could kind of do whatever I wanted with it. And sometimes it would be fun to take a song that clearly sounded like it was supposed to be like thing X and, you know, make it mm. thing Y instead, you know? Um, but um, <clears throat> yeah, the, but I, yeah, I really, I really enjoy that process. Cause for me, it, and, and it's part of, and that's part of what's fun about making them uh, about rapping over them too, is that it's this sort of feeling like a challenge, you know, and I think uh, rapping is really challenging to do physically. And then it's kind of like, it's kind of fun to have the challenge of like, okay, okay, all right, I can figure something out for this. I can do this, you know, which is what I feel like I see. I mean, I haven't done a lot of um, sketch comedy, but it's one of the things I really like about watching sketch comedy is like you see people, you know, open a piece of paper or hear a suggestion and then like, they're like, okay, no, 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 I can do this. Don't worry. <laughs> you know, and I feel like that feeling of the performer saying sort of like with their energy to the audience, like, don't worry, I got this is something that I like about, you know, rapping and um, and working with a work, working with other producers who are kind of like, hey, I made this crazy thing. You know, <laughs> have you ever gotten like uh, like negative feedback about the lyrics that you've put to it? Like like someone hands you a beat and then you put the lyrics on top of it and like. Does Max ever go like this? What are you doing? That those lyrics are not like. Uh, no, not so well. Not really. I mean, I had one song where I thought the rhyme it would be funny to have that say something like "I'm so wrong, I'm like a baby with pubes," <laughs> and like I thought that was hilarious, and I was like, "That's the hook." <laughs> And I was like, and I never even recorded it. I think I did make a, I did make a, yeah, I did. And I didn't hear back for a while. And then they were like, yeah, I don't know, man. I really like that. So then I started asking other people and they're like, oh, wow, no, that's a terrible mental image. <laughs> and I was like, okay, okay. So that's where the line is. Good to know. But um, the rest of the time, I mean, the thing about um, working with Max and Adam, who's made a bunch of the other beats is that like, I think that they are really down and they're really flexible about it too. And they're like, oh yeah, no, that's funny. Or I like that, or that's interesting or whatever. And so they've been really easy to work with, you know? And then, you know, um, and, and which I like a lot. Cause like, you know, Max will also, when he gets the songs on the back end, will be like, oh, actually, you know, it's become more collaborative where he'll sort of be like, oh, this, this should actually, the hook should go first and then the verse and he'll kind of move things around and, that's really fun. And sometimes I'm like, oh yeah, no, this, I really wanted it to have this long intro or whatever, but you know, it's, um, it ends up being pretty collaborative. And so it's not too, other than that one hook, I haven't had a lot of pushback. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, one of the things like I've seen a ton of comedy I've watched the kind of like, I'm, I hate saying I'm a comedy nerd, but I am like, uh -huh. everyone throws that nerd term around about something. Uh, I hate when something's telegraphed, like when I can see the joke coming, Right. Yeah. Do you, do you ever have that concern with, especially with like a rhyming scheme, like 
like there's a there has to be like one person like in the crowd be like oh anticipating that next rhyme and what the joke's gonna be like like yeah it, it's gonna I be wonder. me like i'm gonna be the jerk yeah. that's gonna be doing that like <laughs> yeah i mean i yeah i mean i feel like a lot of the things we say or that i say in the songs are pretty weird so i feel like people are often surprised mm-hmm. but um yeah but I also feel like one thing that I also like is that I feel like I am not super, super, I'm not one of those kind of people that's super, super strict about rhymes. Like I'm willing to like have the sound of the next thing mm-hmm. match without it being an exact rhyme, you know, and also sort of stretching out the meters and stuff like that. Like, oh, this line might last actually, you know, a bar and a half or something like that. Um, and so, you know, just kind of varying up the way that the flow of the lyrics, I think sometimes is, you know, helps kind of move things around too. And, um, yeah, so I, I feel like probably some people do, but I also feel like, you know, it's also kind of like, you know, the other half of the audience is like, what in God's name is happening? Sure. (laughs) Which I'm always like, what's the, you know, you know, (laughs) um, what's something that you've learned from doing champagne jerry like if you were if you were gonna like if some writer came up to be like hey give me a piece of knowledge do you have any mm-hmm. wisdom do you have anything that you would impart like has something from champagne jerry and writing in this style uh and like imparted on you some kind of wisdom that you would pass on i don't know if it's wisdom or not i mean it's sort of a piece of technicality but i feel like um I feel like what it's made me really appreciate is like focus as a performer, you know, because I've always just like had a lot of energy and I kind of run around and stuff is sometimes, you know, improvised in my older shows. And then now this sort of like need to really be focused and to know what's happening and know what's coming next. And, but then stay in the moment. That's something that I really appreciate about working on Champagne Jerry songs is because, you know, you can't, I can't start telling the story faster because there's a beat there. And if I start going too fast, I get way too far ahead. But I also can't forget where I'm at in the story, really, because it's so obvious when you drop something, you know, in a song. And so I just feel like suddenly I'm like, and it may, and so it's made me look at other performers in a very different way where I'm like, you know, um, and, and a lot with, with comedians and, and other, and other people that do that kind of thing you know, that are, that's more direct with the audience. I'm like, oh, wow, this really is, you're really having to be focused in a specific kind of way right now. And that's um, something that I really, that I feel like I, it's a whole other side of performing that I just have started to appreciate a lot more. Yeah, because like, I, I never thought something like that because, you know, if, if I drop a line in a, in a sketch, we can just quickly take a beat, take a moment you know right. ad lib yeah. something stupid and get right back on track but if if the, you actually have a program track behind you you're yeah yeah kind you of stuck stop. <laughs> yeah yeah you got to figure out a way around it and then yeah which is kind of you know which was sort of like yeah it's a it's like it's exciting but i definitely have to like you know right before i go on stage be like okay don't forget don't hey, start you- thinking about like whether people liked the last song in the middle of the next song, you know? (laughs) And uh, like within the world, like is Champagne Jerry like your, your primary project right now, or are you juggling other things? It's mostly what I'm doing now. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's just been, it's been so fun to do. 
And I think one thing that I like about it is that I get to do it in so many different places. You know, I get to do it in, I mean, in different kind of contexts, mm -hmm. you know, and that is really fun for me because one thing I noticed, I really noticed it actually working on the, um, on that insane clown posse show was that I realized that, you know, um, I had been living in New York so long and I had been kind of performing in the same kind of places a lot. And I had kind of forgotten that, no, I didn't really forget, you know, like it sounds corny to be like, I forgot where I was from. It wasn't <laughs> like that. It was just that I had kind of forgotten about like all these other people out there that I would like to meet or that I would like them to hear what it is that I'm making. And I feel like Champagne Jerry lets me do that more than like the pop star series did or other things that I was doing. And so um, I really like that part of it, you know, so it's been it's been fun. So I've just started to focus on it more. Yeah, like, I imagine performing in New York and there's a certain type of audience to certain mm -hmm. venues and certain, and that's true of any city and anything. Like, I mean, the the comedy community in Philadelphia, the comedy audience, most shows I can name a good handful of the people that are going to be there. Like, you have your regulars, you have people that are diehard. Um, so does Champagne Jerry allow you to completely get away from those diehard scenes? Like, I, mean, I saw you're touring a few more days this month and, you know, going down to Florida and stuff like, yeah. uh, or even like doing Gethard show. Like you were the musical guest on the Gethard show instead of you were the actual musical guest instead of, you know, a comedy right. bit in the middle of it. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's, 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 that's been the fun part. It's like, it's not so much in, I mean, in New York, you know, it's like, it's where I live. So it's like, I do kind of move in the same sort of sets of circles. Like I perform mostly at Joe's pub mm -hmm. and, you know, which is wonderful. They're wonderful there, you know, and it's kind of like, but that's like a seated venue. It's like a specific kind of vibe. Sometimes I do music clubs and sometimes I'll, you know, go do like an, uh, you know, a comedy show and do something sort of shorter, but like, yeah, it's really the touring part is the part where I get to do it in different places. Like, yeah, the, the club in Tampa is like, uh, is like a full blown, like kind of grungy rock club. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And then, the, uh, and then, uh, and then in Philly, you know, it's like, it's a, it's a sketch festival, you yeah. know? So it's kind of like, I just think that's really, that part is just, that's the, that's the fun part to me. <laughs> um, and then I guess as we're wrapping up, why do you do this? Like Champagne Jerry has like captured your attention for now. Like, what is it about this character that is, ha has become your focus? Why continue on with this path of, intersecting comedy music and art and all that stuff i think because it um it kind of allows me to do two things the most like on the one hand it allows me to um say the most things and <laughs> and that, i mean that kind of like literally but yeah. you know but also kind of you know artistically like i can you know like i can make this kind of joke and talk about this i can do this i can talk about texas and New York and, and all this kind of other parts of my life that would be kind of hard to fit them all in a show. And also I can do it in a way where, you know what, I, I'm not, I don't need you to necessarily hear every word, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of like this sort of wash of information. Um, but there's stuff, little, little pe bits and pieces in there that I feel like I, that are, um, that, that are there for people to pick up on. And then, so there's that. And then it also just allows me to kind of like, have the most fun you know to kind of just kind of like do whatever my version of kind of 
fallen is, you know, <laughs> to kind of like, you know, get the front seat on the bus sometimes, you know, and, uh, you know, get, get to stay in a hotel that has, uh, you know, not like a mini bar, but like, you know, a bar nearby that you could walk to, <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. It's like, I'm like, yeah, it's fine. And, and that that all feels like it's part of the character. It's not just like something I just enjoy. <laughs> yeah. Champagne Jerry's like, not it's necessarily like, yeah, I'm doing something. <laughs> he's not necessarily in like the penthouse of. Yeah, no, definitely not. Some it's downtown. like an extended stay. Yeah. Uh, what's the, yeah. You know, trying to, red roof. Yeah. <laughs> for sure uh yeah all right but he definitely has like travel points with red roof in yeah he's got know? that free night at hotels.com for sure right yeah exactly yeah which reminds <laughs> me i have one of those i have to use <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah you got to do that got to cash it in uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right uh thanks I, I think that's I, I think that's enough to stop on there <laughs> <laughs> yeah to everybody out there in the world go out and cash in your free hotels.com night you deserve it <laughs> thanks neil thank you Champagne Jerry just released a new album, I've Grown, and it will be performing at Philly Sketchfest's music show Saturday night, June 2nd, 10 p.m. block, along with Amalita coming in from New York City and the Mean Wendy Band. Tickets are available at Ticketfly.com. Then, Champagne Jerry heads to Florida for a mini tour. Tampa on June 12th, Orlando on June 13th, Gainesville on June 14th, and Jacksonville on June 16th. More information for those shows and the new album can be found at champagnejerry.com slash live. My first sketch is a Philly Sketchfest production. You can find out more information at phillysketchfest.com or on Twitter at phlsketchfest or on Instagram at phillysketchfest and using the hashtag phlsketchfest10. The music on this episode is by the band Nono, which you can check out at nonoband.bandcamp.com. Like my first sketch on Facebook, this is Josh Hyam. Thanks for listening. Come to a couple shows during Philly Sketch Fest.